Welcome to the only show dedicated to a new way of delivering healthcare. This new model has no name, but let's go ahead and call it direct contracting or digital first care. The new way centers on opting out of the games bigs play with their rigged dice, their crooked game board, and their purchased referees. And if you're looking for a future where everyone wins, that's the doc, the consumer, the employer, and with assured amazing outcomes and measurably lower costs that are ranging up to 60%, you're in the right place. I'm Ron Barshop, your host. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the new healthcare economy. There's a very quiet movement with 30 million strong in it, and it fixes most of what ails transaction care, sick care, wealth care versus poor care. It's a movement with no name, no association. There are no books on it or scholarly articles, and there's no economist studying it holistically. There's no national media attention, and it's off the radar, but not for long. Why? Because three companies with well over 8.5 billion in market cap are going or have gone public this summer or last year, including today's guest company. They are creating a disruptive new category in healthcare that sidesteps big middles and their impressively powerful lobbies. Dr. Jay Parkinson, who is started Sherpa, also invented virtual primary care the day after the iPhone came out, and he calls it digital first care, which is a great name. I call it direct contracting because you've heard of direct primary care. This is direct everything. Employers are awakening now from decades of slumber and skipping all the big bloated monopolistic middles who own the PBMs and control 99% of the benefit advisors and use direct contracting with primary care and specialists and independent surgery centers and independent imaging and labs and pharmacies, not the big PBMs, but lean pharmacies and lean transparent PBMs. And everybody delivering care who has ever taken a cash pay patient gets it immediately when you say, do you take cash? And almost everybody in healthcare does today. Direct contracting has become the chief retention tool very quickly and an attraction tool in engagement too. I've seen it firsthand for four years now. Nobody in my company wants to leave us. We, can, we only hire A players and it's a breeze now. And for this reason, big tech is jumping in the movement so fast. So the obvious players like Apple and Google and Facebook and Amazon and LinkedIn and Intuit and many more are hiring and retaining much easier by offering this product, Digital Direct Care. The local economic impact of found savings in EBITDA and employee raises because they no longer have to pay for healthcare and premiums and deductibles and co-pays. I think I can make an argument for 850 billion in local economic impact. I could be off, but I could make a really solid case for it too. And I have on previous shows. So everybody wins in this future, the employer, the employee and the docs and outcomes improve and costs can drop 20 to 60% with much higher satisfaction scores in every category. Direct contracting is always gonna be digital first care, but I, you can call it prevention first care or near site or on-site care in some cases, or advanced primary care or next-gen care or healthcare 3.0. And the reason 30 million patients is wrong is how fast Babylon Health is scaling. It's serving 24 million people on five continents. In fact, one every five seconds is treated on this platform with a very impressive net promoter scores and 90% are giving it five-star ratings. And they're just now in five states with 100,000 directly contracted but 3 million contracted through insurers in the US with a mission of 
bringing affordable and accessible healthcare to everybody on earth. Pretty simple. Here comes Babylon. They are UK's largest primary care practice and will be going public shortly here with well over a $4 billion valuation. So this is gonna be a long bio intro, but trust me, it's worth it because it just kind of keeps getting better like a snowball. So Darshak Sangavi is the global chief medical officer for Babylon Health. And before that, he was the CMO of United Healthcare's fastest growing division, Medicare and Retirement, which is the largest commercial Medicare program with over 90 billion in revenue. So United Health Group is number five on the Fortune 500, largely thanks to the growth of this division. The chief medical officer also of Optum Labs before that, running a large portfolio of industry leading projects with dozens of academic government and industry partners, quite complex. Before that, the Obama administration, and he was the director of preventive and population health at the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, where he directed the development of giant pilot programs like a billion dollar Medicare diabetes prevention program. But wait, it gets better. He's the manage, was the managing director of the Brookings Institution, which recently came up with a number of 14,500 as the average family premium outlay. He was an associate professor of pediatrics and the chief of pediatric cardiology at UMass Medical School. And he's an award-winning medical educator who's worked in medical settings all over the world. And he's published dozens and dozens of scientific papers on a ton of subjects. You've seen him on NBC Today and NPR, All Things Considered, you've heard him. And he's a contributing editor to not only Parents Magazine, but you've seen him in Slate, New York Times, Boston Globe, Washington Post, and his bestseller, A Map of the Child, A Pediatrician's Tour of the Body, was named a best health book of the year by the Wall Street Journal. Other than that, he's a very lazy guy. Welcome, Darshak, to the show. Thanks a lot. It's great to be here. And now I'm blushing with that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> that we can feel the heat. <laughs> yeah, it's great to talk to you, too. So there's a lot to talk about so that Americans can understand the Babylon care stack. And that's kind of where I want to get started, if that's all right with you. Sure, sure. Happy chat. What, what do you get when you sign on as a Babylon patient, consumer, whatever y'all call them? Yep. So, so there's essentially two ways you become a Babylon member uh, or patient. Um, the first is that you can opt in. And that was really how we, we got started in the UK was the problem we're solving is the UK, great healthcare system for the majority of people, but you, it doesn't really, it's not as consumer focused as you like. So what we were solving for there is we'll get you affordable, accessible care, maybe a virtual visit within a couple hours as opposed to waiting days or even longer. So that's the first approach is you can sign up and, and join. And the second is what we've moved to um, after a number of iterations in the US, which is that we now really want to take on that full spectrum of care and take on that total risk. And so in those situations, patients are being attributed to us. I think we have about 100,000 full risk patients in the US. So that's how we, uh, you can come in. So th the first way you sort of opt in, the second way we, you know, it's one of those, don't call us, we'll call you and we reach out and do a, a fair amount of outreach. So what you get for that is something, it's deceptively simple, but it's you essentially get two things. You get an app on your phone, um, but what's really critical about it is not the app, but what's behind it, which is that, that accessible care. So if you, once you have that, you have digital triage, essentially walks you through a number of symptoms. And then in the palm of your hand, you have access to essentially full stack virtual care. Um, and uh, for example, what you get for that is 90% of the time in the US, 
you can see a doctor within about 30 minutes. And that's true, not just for primary care and urgent care, but we offer same day screening for say behavioral health with uh, virtual therapy and just a number of other services. So that's what you get is that access, that ability to get the care you need. And the bet we're making is that by sort of solving for that and then a number of other things, we can bend that cost curve where essentially nobody really has been able to be successful. Okay, I want to tear up a, 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 or dissect a little bit more what you said. You said behavioral health, and then you said therapy. We're not talking about yeah. occupational or physical therapy, are we? Correct. So that's right. I sorry. I uh, I sometimes I have to recall that. Uh, um, although I, I'm a U.S. physician, I've been learning some of the U.K. terminology, Rwanda, okay. and even Asia. So therapy, by that, I was referring to is uh, is a uh, behavioral therapy. Okay, got it. Um, do you plan to expand your care stack beyond? Uh, what we'll call primary slash urgent slash behavioral into the future? Yeah, so I mean, right now, that's the, those are the principal things we're offering. And to, you know, about, about half of our care is really that primary care orientation. But by that, I mean OBGYN, family practice, pediatrics, internal medicine. And the other half, you know, interestingly, is a lot of behavioral health, um, which is, uh, includes both psychiatry as well as therapy. Moving forward, you know, that's one of the great things about having total cost of care risk. We will either build, buy, or partner with the other types of care that may be involved. So that could be, for example, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech, um, and a number of other services as well as we move forward. I see. So you're taking on a capitated amount per patient as opposed to a per month subscription fee. Uh, right. Well, the way I, that's exactly right. Our, our business model uh, is to take on that full capitated risk for that patient population. Exactly. Okay. So, so you're going to be calling on insurance carriers rather than consumers directly or employers directly. That's right. Well, at least for, for some of those uh, programs. So, you know, where we're at right now is principally we have, is, we do have fee for service. So we're a network provider, but our growth strategy and really moving forward, our strategy is to take on that total cost of care. And that's essentially where we've been growing mostly uh, in the past. Okay, so the, the obvious benefit to somebody joining is they're going to save, or they're gonna be limited on their risk, certainly by this capitation amount that you're guaranteeing. And you're either gonna make money or lose money on about how well you deal with the underage, how, how, how well you deliver under that amount. Uh, that's exactly right. And I think that that's sort of the, the bet we're making. It's also one of the, re, it's, it's a really important point to make, which is that when we talk about digital health, almost all the players in digital health, they're, they're taking on small pieces and they're really more consumer facing, you know, men's health uh, or potentially things around say um, uh, uh, some just limited set of behavioral health services or, or maybe something around pregnancy care or wellness. But what we're offering is that full, that when we take on that full risk, we think that lines up the incentives and also forces us to actually add value and not just extract value. Well, and then now you're going to have to need some bricks and mortar component because well women exams and vaccines like the COVID are going to require face-to-face. -face. How do you make that handoff? Yeah, great question. So I think that with, as with many things, we're gonna be building that in stages. So. In the UK, to be clear, and I'm referring back to that because this is sort of where that model was initially born. The idea was let's uh, first offer that digital first care with uh, physical clinic uh, 
that is also available. And what we learned there is that roughly 90% of care when done appropriately, and that, you know, it took a while to really get those models right, but 90% of that care can be delivered mostly virtually. And then what we learned in Rwanda, I mean, just to talk about that, I understand Rwanda is very different than the US, but just to give a little bit of context, about 20% of Rwandans actually have access to Babel, which is pretty amazing. And that's principally through not even broadband, it's mostly through telephonic and sort of UDDM platforms. And then we can treat a number of conditions through that. So my, our contention is that an enormous amount can be done virtually. Now, having so said that- you are that, the healthcare system for Rwanda if people elect to hire you. I mean, you, yeah. are, <laughs> you are the choice. Yeah, that's right. That, that's exactly right. And, and I think we're, we're incredibly proud of that. But I, I do recognize that people's expectations are different. The market is different in other parts of the world and especially the US. So but this gets back to your question, well, what's our physical clinic strategy and how, how are we gonna do that? So I'd say a couple of things on that. The first is that in right now, you know, we wanna scale quickly. So unlike some of the other competitors uh, who are limited by sort of having to build physical clinics, you know, they start small and they gradually build up and expand. We wanna take full risk right away as we did in say, you know, Missouri, New York, and a, a couple other places. And then what we'll do is we will offer that complete stack of virtual care. What we'll do then is understand, well, what are the physical care needs that, we're, that are now um, becoming, uh, coming to the fore? So we, we'll start by partnering with existing physical providers. So you know people can keep their PCPs or we'd work with uh, existing PCPs and make sure that we refer them when digital care alone is not enough. I will point out that a lot of it can even be done outside clinics. For example, radi radiology, lab testing, um, for example, even vaccination, people can be done in collaboration with health departments. So that's sort of a, a big part of our approach is sort of gradually ramping up. I will also say that as you're probably aware, we have acquired um, uh, IPAs uh, in California, um, that was uh, announced earlier this year. And so we are also in parallel driving a physical care strategy also. And the idea is that can we use Babylon in collaboration with existing IPA structures to really deliver that full stack of digital care. Does uh, Babylon yet own either a PBM or a pharmacy that they can get the drugs mailed directly to these patients? Yeah, no, great question. We do not. Uh, we partner with, uh, with direct uh, patient uh, pharmacies, for example, in the UK. Uh, currently, we do not own a PBM currently. Okay. But you, I mean, it makes sense in the future you will, so you can control that gigantic price. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, where, where we're at right now is we do, uh, we can prescribe and ensure that our members, uh, when they need uh, uh, prescriptions, actually have them delivered to their, to their existing pharmacy of choice typically for existing payers, um, but that, that's what we offer currently. So a big problem in the pharmacy space is, is compliance. There are all kinds of interesting technology tools virtual care can provide to make sure they are taking their pills in the morning and the evening that they're supposed to. And some of, the, some of these folks have 15 or 16 different meds or vitamins they're taking. What do y'all do on the compliance and to make sure they're doing the right thing? Yeah, so so um, at Babylon, you know, what we do is we focus on uh, something really simple. We call it, we just essentially call it the health loop, um, which, which um, you know, to, to those of us who are uh, in healthcare, it's sort of fairly straightforward, which is we engage the patients, meaning we contact them, they're aware, we kind of get them excited. Then we collect data. We ask them to fill out health surveys or let us know how they're doing. We generate insights, goals, and then we plan and monitor. And then the sort of the circle continues. We reward them as well. And so the idea is that almost everything we do 
part of, we have an enormous amount of organizational and business discipline where we use that circle and we've built our operational processes around that. So for example, medication compliance is put into that framework. Asthma care can be put into that framework, even pregnancy care and others. So it's a scalable uh, strategy that most importantly also maps to our incredibly strong product and digital tools. So with medication compliance, what we essentially do is we engage our members, we learn what medications they're on, and then uh, part of it is the engagement of the app. Our app is incredibly um, uh, easy to work with. Um, and then that data then feeds back uh, to our clinicians in order to ensure that they're on the right medications. Are they refilling their meds? And then the other pieces with our data tools moving forward and AI, we'd like to understand, well, which of those meds do they potentially need to be on? Can some of those be consolidated? Is the relative benefit of some of those lower than others? And perhaps as we build that relationship, we can help people simplify and focus on the highest value care as well. So, so the last guy on planet earth I need to tell this to is you, but you know that once you get into the employer space and start trying to scale that, after you've conquered the Medicare goals, um, Papa's got a whole new bag. I mean, to control costs with self-funded employers to make sure they go to the right surgery centers that have the lowest infection rates and have the highest procedures and the, right. the least complications. That's a whole new thing. And I'm sure y'all mastered that with your artificial intelligence. But <laughs> is, that, is that something that uh, makes you a little bit nervous because it's so much more complex? Yeah, so I, you know, I, I think it's important to be honest that, that these problems are not easy to solve. You know, If that was the case, this all would have been figured out a long time ago. And, and part of the challenge is, how do we drive that value and can we do it over a, you know, in a segmented fashion? So I think our approach here is that we um, need to demonstrate that we can succeed at every step along the way. So we want to be sure that the first thing we're solving for is access. We want to make it easier for people to get care when they need it so they don't need to wait. The next piece is at least let's make sure that the care they're getting is evidence-based and we eliminate an enormous amount of variation in sort of what kind of care people get depending on where they, where they are. And then as we move forward, the next piece would be make sure that we then develop um, access to specialty care uh, through the same sort of digital platform tools that informs in our patients. And then on top of that, what we then would build, and this is sort of where, where our strategic plan is taking us, is exactly those sort of analytic tools and the ability to help steer patients to that highest value care. I'll just say at the root of it all, it's really about trust. You know, We can't just sort of reach out and tell people, hey, this is where you should go. We need to show them that we're accessible and available. We can answer their questions. And so we're spending a huge amount of time and effort right now in just making sure people actually like the experience. They feel like we're always there um, and making sure we meet our requirements to sort of get that get that that 30 minute you know consultation for for people whenever they want it well let's talk about that since you opened the door what are your net promoter scores today i know they're very high for the industry and i think i've already mentioned that y'all are doing great on the, the five-star ratings yep yep so we that, that's actually what we've been using principally uh uh here are our four and five star ratings I actually believe, you know, I have to look back again, but I think we're at like over 95% at four or five star ratings. Um, and then what's interesting is that um, in, uh, in, in, um, in the UK in particular, we have the longest track record of, of uh, quality that's been collected over time. They, they sort of, you know, you pass if you get a four, four or five star rating and we're sort of 
industry leading in that remark. They sort of weight five and four stars the same way. But interestingly, our five-star ratings are also dramatically higher as well. So pe people just really seem to like that, that service quite a bit. Okay, so we're going to make you the moderator of the great debate that's in value-based care today, yeah. which is number one, I can solve it with tech and AI. And number two, it takes a team to run a village. So there, we've had guests like Chen Med. Um, we'll eventually have Iora Health, who's been in, mm -hmm. uh, in, absorbed. Um, we'll have, we've had uh, Catalyst in Dallas, uh, mm -hmm. some gigantic groups that are doing a great job with team approach to tackling the uh, the Medicare population. Right. And then there's others who are just doing it on a virtual basis, like Medici. Mm -hmm. And like, I think y'all are more technical uh, or technology driven than team driven. How, how do you, how do you judge that debate? Yeah. So, well, I mean, to me, it seems like, I guess it's not really a debate. It's just about how do you do both of those things well, and how do you do them both at scale? If you look at some of those other models of care, they're incredibly labor intensive. You know, they, it's taken um, you know, some companies years to scale to even maybe five to 10,000 members. And they just find they spend so much time finding these special doctors who are like diamonds in the rough that can actually handle patients that have tons and tons of issues. And that's sort of, they zero in and that's, that's where their, their niche niches. They're not as, as good at engaging, say, 100,000 people very quickly. So I'd say the first thing is just to give a sense of the scale at ba that Babylon operates at. We've taken on um, uh, this risk for, you know, I mentioned about 100,000 patients in, in, in capitated contracting arrangements. Most, our most recent go live, uh, we signed, uh, and we've mentioned this publicly, we signed our contract and we went live, taking on full risk in less than 90 days in, uh, in the state of New York. So that, that's the scale at which we operate that and the speed with which we also operate. That can only be done with incredibly strong digital services and digital tools and outreach and all, you know, the whole kit and caboodle of all that stuff that can be done. So you are the case study for the digital intensive approach. Right. <clears throat> and I think you're still going to need a lot of providers. So let's talk about hiring of doctors, yes. PAs, and nurses, because you're going to be doing a lot of that. Yep. Are you hiring only gerontologists? It wouldn't work in your model. You're going <laughs> to hire every kind of doctor, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, so I'll say also in terms of scale, we've also scaled our provider um, recruitment dramatically. So uh, what we've sort of met, one, one sort of signpost is we've grown sixfold in terms of the number of providers we have. In the uh, over that over the past year or so, currently just worldwide we have about thirteen hundred providers or so. So it just gives you a sense of the number of people we brought on, and it's it's varied. So when uh, currently we we have uh, essentially almost all primary specialties represented in that in that mix, and as we move forward with uh, you know our IPA and other acquisitions, there we're hoping to develop a, a number of other areas as well. If you heard an explosion when you said 1,300, that was my mind being blown. Um, I did the math. That's 18,500 in a panel per doctor. Now, there, obviously, when I call in, I'm not going to get my doctor every time. I'm going to get the next available to make sure you meet that 30-minute quality uh, metric you talked about. But 18,000, that is a technology juggernaut. Oh, my gosh. That's impressive. Really, um, hats off. Um, so when you're attracting doctors, what is the messaging to them about their 
new happiness scale versus, you know, sitting in front of an EHR all day in America? Yeah. So I think as many, um, uh, you know, I, I'm actually, by the way, I think you mentioned, uh, I'm a pediatric cardiologist. So I actually still see patients. Um, I, I have clinic every other Monday. I still take call one weekend a month. So I try to stay connected to, uh, to, to clinical practice on the ground. We have a number of our leadership that are still clinically active. So I, I just think it's important to point that out. Um, so, uh, and we're familiar with that through that of the frustration, particularly in primary care, the levels of burnout and, you know, just the, the challenges around documentation and charting. So I say a couple things here. The first is that, you know, when you come on to Babylon, we have two models. You can be part-time or you can be full-time and we're sort of growing and a number of people are now choosing becoming a virtual uh, primary care doctor as, as their career. Um, and you know, there's no, it's all the other benefits we just talked about. No commute. Uh, you have the access to the latest digital tools. You know, you, uh, no risk of infection to you or, or to your patients. They're incredibly happy. They, they reach out to you. And all of your back office operations, you don't deal with all the challenges. You have access to a world-class top-tier digital firm that's sort of handling all that in the background in terms of uh, all of that. On top of that, we have these cool tools we're building. Let me give you an example of AI, where we're thinking about, and you know, this is actually a really cool thing we're working on now. Um, essentially, as you're having your virtual visit, uh, say it's online with a member, the, the tools are actually uh, charting uh, in the background, organizing your note, uh, and sort of putting it so it's all set. So we're, we're helping minimize the amount of time that physicians may have to spend on documentation, which is a huge pain point. And then automating quality reporting and all that. So that's sort of where we're trying to go is to give uh, our pitch to physicians is, first of all, they're happier. Um, you know, our, our physician satisfaction scores are incredibly strong. And not only that, you get back to being the, you know, you got into this because you want to be a doctor. We hope that that's what you can do in this digital world of Babylon as well. So what I, what I kind of heard between the lines is that the coding is happening as the exam is going on by phone. It's not, uh, I'm not having to type in codes, it's, it's automated. That's right, I, I, I will caveat that by saying this is still in prototype, but okay, it, it, sure. it's really cool. Yeah. Um, and, but that's just one example of the kind of work when you have you know, a thousand uh, digital scientists and engineers in the background uh, working, that's the kind of stuff that we're- Shout out to Austin, Texas. We yeah, know you got you a lot of hires there. We're, we're very excited you're coming to Texas. Keep hiring in Texas, we're very- very yeah. plus, Although to, plus to be fair, we've, we've got a number of, of, you know, people all over, including in, in the UK and in other areas as well. But yep, Austin, Texas is a, is a big, is a big hub for us. Okay. So it's a good idea if you're a doctor to join, you're not going to turn a doctor down who's an ER doc. You're looking for, I guess, primary care in event of all shapes and sizes, right? That's right. So I think what, one of the things about Babylon is that although that we're, a, we're a healthcare company where we are, uh, have primary care doctors that see people, you know, uh, uh, over there over the screen. But we also are building care journeys, care pathways, digital tools to help with triage uh, that are informed by specialists as well. So yes, we they may be the face-to-face -face docs currently are the PCP uh, oriented ones, but we are absolutely uh, are bringing on and utilizing people that have all kinds of specialties to help us build those other digital tools. Very exciting. Um, so Darshak, I'm thrilled to talk to you because it's been like this giant, y'all are like the great white buffalo I've wanted to interview for a long time since <laughs> I first hit the radar. 
and Ali is just such a visionary. I mean, what a uh, great leader y'all have. Yeah, in Ali absolutely. Carson. Yeah. So I can see why you're excited to be on board. Is your life different now that you're not dealing with all the acronyms you used to have to deal with? <laughs> you know, the, I have to tell you, the acronyms, unfortunately, never go away in U.S. healthcare. Uh, you replace one set with another, particularly in, techno- in the world of technology. Um, but w- what's different about my life is, is that um, it, it is fascinating and, and really exciting at this point in my career to sort of think about that, that full care journey and owning it from end to end. And, you know, I've loved my prior places of work, and I feel like we've done an enormous amount of good to help people. But one of the things that's really a pleasure about Babylon is thinking through, you know, we're not just vending everything out, we're actually building things in-house and really sort of thinking about that cohesive experience from beginning to end. Um, and, uh, and we're doing it in places where it's challenging, you know, Medicaid in the boot heel of Missouri or, you know, Medicaid across the state in New York or New Mexico, California, we're seeing patients. So one of the things I enjoy about that is that challenge. And on top of that, realizing that the problems we're facing here, they're not so different than what people are frustrated by in, in the UK or even, you know, evidence-based access to care in Rwanda or in Asia. Um, so it's been one of the pleasures is also learning um, and and building on lessons that have been learned outside the U.S., which is which has been fun. Too. I was fascinated that of the four to five states you chose in America to launch in, you chose to tackle Medi-Cal. I mean, yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> what advisor yeah. <laughs> didn't get fired for making that suggestion? That's amazing. Well, well to, to be fair, in, in California right now, you know, a, a lot of that business is is uh, fee for service. Um, so at least we're, but we're, we're, we're moving forward and, and the ambition is 100% wherever we can in, in almost any line of business moving forward also is we think that, that the real value is putting our money where our mouth is, not just selling in fee-for-service environments, really in full risk contracts. Actually, it makes sense because if you can do business in, there, you can do business anywhere because of yeah. all the restrictions. That's amazing. Yes, yes absolutely. So I just want to talk, take a 10,000-foot view before we sign off and respect your time, but what are your general thoughts on the subscription movement that I described at the top of the show where the independent physicians are now sort of corporatizing and becoming more scalable to help employers solve their biggest problem, which is this giant healthcare uh money suck and time suck. Yeah. So I, I would say as both a, a, a physician, but also as, as a member of the healthcare establishment, I think we should welcome innovation in all forms. You know, I, I think it's exciting. And it's only when, you know, lots of people are attacking the problem in different ways it will succeed. I will say that the data suggests, and this is sort of informs Babylon's strategy, but I think increasingly people in the US in particular understand this, which is that value-based care will succeed when you place primary care at the center and not large hospitals and provider systems. It's just incredibly difficult to truly succeed when you have the financial pressures of a hospital, which is arguably where a lot of the excess cost uh, sits right now. So I think this motion to, yeah, so this motion to sort of bring together primary care, have them work together, give them the tool sets, we're part of that movement. You know, we think we'll do it better than others, but we sort of welcome that innovation just because we think it's good for, for patients in general. I, I wish I had handy the quote from Sir Andrew Whitty when he made that exact quote um, when as head of United Health Group is that the only way to stop downstream costs is with primary care. And then almost on the same day, the CEO of Kaiser Permanente, who died the next year, 
2020 made the same statement. Um, and then on the same day, Walmart said they've saved a billion dollars by an intense focus on primary care. But these are all, you know, the biggest, we're talking about some of the biggest primary care, well, two of the biggest primary care groups, not the two biggest in the country are saying, you've got to pay attention to primary care if you want to solve this problem. So uh, bully, bully. Um, so Darshak, if people want to reach out to you and they want to submit their resumes, what's the best way to... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm on we board and join that uh, care stack and that, that team. <laughs> hey, that that nothing would make me happier than 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 having you know top talent come in here. We 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 just love what we do here. You know, I, I'm relatively new. I'll be honest. I'm coming up to. I've been here for just about a total of three months or so. But I've already just been incredibly inspired, and we're building teams and we're scaling incredibly quickly. So, yep, yep. Easy to find uh, Babylon. E I'm happy to sort of all, uh, look at people's interests and in, in perhaps working with them someday. That'd be great. great. And I was in the show with a banner overhead. If you could fly a banner over, I guess in your case, the world, what would the message be for every person on earth? Yeah, I, I'd say sort of Babylon's mission. I'll say, you know, just because this is sort of what got me excited and I still feel this way. It's what every person on earth deserves affordable, accessible, high quality care. Let's be part of that. You can't top the show better than that. I'm going to sign <laughs> off and say thank you, Darshak, and can't wait to keep up with y'all year to year and see how y'all grow. Awesome. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.